Hello and welcome to another instalment of ZDNet Security Update with me, Danny Palmer, Senior Reporter at ZDNet. When it comes to cybercrime, we all know about the effects that hacking, malware, phishing and other attacks can have on both people and organisations. But deep down, how does all of this get started? Who is behind these attacks and why are they getting involved? With me to discuss the cybercriminal underground economy is Liv Rowley, Threat Intelligence Analyst at cybersecurity company BlueLiv. Thanks for joining me, Liv. And so, what exactly is the cybercriminal underground economy? Uh, the cybercriminal underground, which uh, for my definition can include anything from forums to just, you know, uh, YouTube videos that are selling uh, malware or private telegram chats, stuff like that. Um, it's just kind of a, a place where people go to discuss all sorts of manner of fraud and crime and hacking. Um, so the appeal of this obviously is if you are somebody who doesn't know anything about these topics, you can get a very nice introduction. You can buy manuals to learn about these things and you can buy tools and uh, you know services from people to get your introduction to start uh, carrying out crime. So when it comes to these introductions, how is it that people start getting involved? I mean, what is it that draws them towards uh, this underground in the first place? So I, th I think there are various things that attract people towards uh, a life of cybercrime. Um, I think one of the things uh, is, I, it seems like easy money. Uh, you know, you can just go, you can buy some stolen bank accounts. And, you know, if you are an inexperienced person, that might just seem like an attractive way to make money to you. Of course, these things that end up being much more complicated than that um, to actually monetize, but it has this kind of get rich quick uh, aura to it. it. Attracts a lot of people in initially, and then they stay, you know, to try to figure out how it works towards the end. So, what are some of the low-level things that allow people to get started in this space? I mean, you just mentioned the get rich quick element. I mean. I guess that's appealing to a lot of people, but I don't imagine it's something that's going to be instant uh, for those who um, start their let's call it, journeys in, in, the, in these spaces. So I believe that actually a lot of cyber criminals, especially from the, the English speaking side, um, actually get their introduction into this world through the video game communities. Um, so uh, oftentimes we'll be researching cyber criminals who might be you know, writing malware or something like that. And we can trace them back through the years and you'll find them originally on video game forums where they're talking about how to cheat in a video game or something like that. So I think, um, and again, that, that tends to be something we see more on the English uh, speaking cybercrime side, but we also see it with Russian speakers as well. So you kind of get into it just as like a gaming type thing and maybe you, you know, learn some quick and easy cheats and hacks and stuff like that. And then it progresses from there into, okay, maybe now you're writing your own, you know, you know, little malware or something like that. And it can take off from that point. So when it comes to users in these spaces, it sounds as if reputation is something that's uh, important uh, when people uh, want to buy and sell things, because is it, is it the case that uh, those of a higher reputation in inverted commas are going to do better out of this i mean and is it the case that there's also sort of ratings and review systems like any sort of commercial selling space there is out there yes absolutely so uh reputation is hugely important in this space uh in a way it does mirror 
the real economy, right? So just like if I'm looking for uh, someone to paint my apartment, I'm going to talk to people I know and see who they're who they've had to help, you know, paint their apartments. Uh, these guys are doing the same thing. So they're going out and they're saying, okay, I'm looking for an information stealing malware. What are people using? What do you recommend? Uh, who should I be talking to? So word of mouth is definitely important. Um, another thing that we, we see, of course, is these rating systems as well. Uh, for instance, on dark web marketplaces, in a way they almost mirror Amazon. You can even see like the reviews people leave and they leave a certain number of stars and they'll say, okay, like I've used this vendor three times and they're always great. Or they'll say, you know, this person uh, has given me uh, credit cards that you know were supposed to be stolen, but they're actually, they're just made up and they don't work and I wouldn't buy from them. So reputation is hugely important for, for making and breaking these, these individuals' <laughs> careers. And as, as there are ways where it's like the commercial space, I mean, is, is it also kind of like the uh, legitimate software development space? I mean, when it comes to developing and updating uh, malware, are they acting in the same ways as you know, legitimate software developers who develop applications and programs that we use every day? Yes, yeah, so there's definitely a lot of parallels because uh, at the end of the day, malware is software, right? So one thing that we see these guys doing is, um, you know, specifically for malware, is they'll issue updates regularly to their malware and they'll even break down, you know, just like all the little things that they've done. Maybe they fixed some bugs that were reported by the community or sometimes they'll even um, make improvements to the UI to make it more user-friendly. Um, apart from that, there's a community element to it, just like real software developers are going on forums and stuff, asking questions, uh, looking for help in what they're doing. That's exactly what these guys are doing with cyber criminal forums, or they even use um, tools used by real developers, such as GitHub and stuff like that. So there are definitely a lot of parallels between um, the malware development and software development that we see in the real world. So how is this marketplace evolving it's a broad question but i suppose uh, there are things that incremental changes happening over time and what sort of changes are happening right now that you think that um, organizations and cybersecurity uh, teams should be looking out for in terms of how attackers are going to up their game next so this is actually an interesting question uh, currently the uh, the marketplace for malware is more static than you would actually think um, right now, if you like the, the most potent malware is stuff that's going to be private. So it's really just something that, you know, groups like TrickBot or um, Drydex, they're making it and they're keeping it to themselves and they're using. Um, but in terms of markets, it's really something the, the more desirable off the shelf malware is something you're going to find in the Russian language communities and to a lesser extent in the English language communities, uh, which is kind of how it's been for a number of years now. So of course, this begs the question, you know, when are we going to start seeing this uh, develop in other linguistic communities as well? And I don't think we really have an answer for that. I just think we need to be on the lookout for that, be aware of it, and know that it's probably going to look different than the way we're seeing it in the Russian and English community, which is very heavy on selling it on the forums and stuff like that. That being said, we have seen some uh, small changes within this or, you know, little trends. So one thing that we've been seeing is that malware as a service offerings are becoming increasingly prevalent. Um, those have been around for a couple of years now, but uh, we're just starting to see it in more spaces, particularly with uh, ransomware as a service. 
nowadays almost all the ransomware offerings, all the major ones are offered on this um, as a service model or a, an affiliate model is probably a better way to describe it in their cases. Um, so uh, in, another thing that we see as well is uh, a shift towards Telegram. Um, typically, especially in the Russian community, there's been uh, heavily reliance on Jabber, which is kind of like a old school IM type thing. Um, whereas Telegram is you know, it's the, the app that normal people have and normal people use as well. So that's kind of an interesting thing to look at and it, it speaks towards an, uh, a movement towards greater accessibility uh, for most people. But it, it is interesting that we do see overall that this environment is quite um, static. And uh, what that tells me and what I think that should tell us is that this is working for them. They don't really need to be innovating on it too much. Uh, you know, for example, like as researchers, we, we always get excited about new cryptocurrencies. We're like, oh, Monero is going to be the next big one or Zcash and cyber criminals are going to use it. But I mean, that's been a couple of years now that those have been around and, and have been talked about by cyber criminals. And we're still seeing that Bitcoin is the major one. Um, you know, we look at these forums and we say, that, you know, this doesn't really, it's very labor intensive to sell malware because you have to market it and you have to have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. And uh, if there's a dispute, you have to bring it to the admin. Like it's very, it's very labor intensive. Whereas, you know, something like selling it on a darknet market might be, might seem like it would be more easy, but it's not something that they're doing. So I think we just need to kind of say, well, this is a system. And even though it seems kind of bizarre to us, it's, it's working for them. And, you know, that's where that's at. So in terms of protecting against uh, malware and other threats that originate from the um, underground economy, what are some things that organizations and individuals can do to help stay safe online and hopefully not fall victim to these sorts of things? The, the biggest piece of advice that I could give, and it's the advice that's given over and over, but it's so critical, is um, be aware and be vigilant. Because at the end of the day, what these guys are relying on more than having you know, the latest CVEs involved in their malware, blah, blah, blah. What they're relying on is the fact that you're clicking that link or you're clicking that attachment or you're visiting that strange website or something like that. That's where most of this is coming from is through um, mistakes that people are making. So as always, just be very hyper aware about any type of strange link that you're getting or strange attachment that you're getting. Never hesitate to reach out to the person that sent it to you and say, did you actually send me, you know, whatever updated HR information or something like that. And uh, yeah, take, take it seriously, take security very seriously. That's some really good advice. Uh, thanks Liv and thanks for coming on the show. It's very much appreciated. And for more news on security and how to stay safe online, be sure to keep reading ZDNet. Thank you for watching.